helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. to point their finger at government. It always seems to be the other political party's fault or, or some government bureaucrat's fault or in many cases just the government in general's fault. Have we forgotten the saying politics is downstream from culture? Put another way, isn't politics supposed to be a reflection of the people who vote? What does that say about the American people? How can you tell when a politician is lying? Whenever I ask this question, the answer I've gotten is some form of, well, the lips are moving. Now, while this answer is meant to point to the corruption of the politician, I think it says much more about the people who put them there. Now, if we look at some of the news today, with that idea in mind, I think we'll find that the issues in turmoil in America today is much more a reflection of the American people than the politician. After all, each and every person in government was either elected to that position or appointed by someone elected to office. Well, hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution, teach the rising generation to be free. And I'm glad you could join me today as we're going to take a look at what's been going on recently in government. We're going to pick a few items here, but we want to look at it as a reflection of the electorate. Now, for this to work, we have to understand a couple things. Uh, first of all, uh, not everybody votes. We had a recent vote uh, just as, just uh, what a week ago, and in many of those cases, a very small percentage. I mean, many cases, single digit percentage of people actually voted. A lot of people say, "Well, you know, there there wasn't a national election. There there wasn't a we weren't voting for president. We weren't voting for house or senate." But to me, that says a lot about the American people that we don't want to pay attention to what's going on locally, we're much more fixated on what's going on nationally. Even though those local votes for uh, you know, mayor, governor, dog catcher, board of electors, school boards, have a much greater impact on our lives. See, even that tells me a bit about the American people. But even in elections, you know, big elections, like presidential elections, I think, what was it, 35, 40% of eligible voters voted in the uh, 2020 election, was it 30, 40 or, you know, 40, 40, somewhere on there, less than half, if memory serves. What does that say about the American people? To me, it says at least half or more of the American people are more than willing to let somebody else decide for them well, who's going to represent them. Because remember, we're a republic. We elect people to represent us, to exercise our power in our name for us, and at least half of the country has said, you know what, I'm just going to let somebody else do that for me. I can't be bothered. So the first thing we need to recognize is government is a reflection of the people who actually vote. And it's a, an often case the reflection of the apathy of those who won't. Now, I'm not saying everybody who voted, that gets the government they want. We still deal with things like majorities, but it says a lot about the society as a whole, as the American people. So I want to look at some of these news items from that standpoint. And the first thing that I can tell from the American people is um, we're basically fiscally ignorant and fundamentally greedy. 
I know people want to hear that, but let's look. The public debt currently sits at $33.6 trillion. It's expected to go beyond $50 trillion in the next 10 years. Some experts saying $54 trillion in just 10 years. By the way, this is according to Bank of America investment strategist Michael Harnett in an article he wrote in the Business Insider. Now, I want you to think about that. 50, let's just stay where we are. $33.6 trillion in debt. Well, it's the politicians. They, they refuse to pass the budget. They refuse to cut spending. They're your employees. They work for you. See, when I started studying the Constitution and I, I began to learn how much that I had been taught in school that was wrong and how much I hadn't been taught at all, one of the things that I learned as I was studying this is every member of the House is our employee. Every member of the Senate is our employee. Money doesn't get spent unless the House passes a bill and the Senate also passes that bill. See, we talk about presidential administrations and the debt, but it's not the presidential administration that spends the money. They can't spend a dime without an appropriation from Congress. So when we look at this, we see Congress as a spendthrift because they're, they're spending other people's money. And the American people are okay with that. They're fine with that lie. Because while you believe you're spent, you know, the money that you're getting from the government is other people's money, everyone else thinks it's yours. So we are spendthrifts. We, we are economically, we are fiscally ignorant. And I say greedy because we want goodies from government, but we don't want to pay for it. We want government to take care of us in our retirement, but we don't want to pay the taxes to actually do that. We want government to cover our medical costs, but you know whether we're old or injured or just forever. But we're not willing to spend the money, so we have to. The government has to borrow the money in our name. That debt is 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 my exhibit number one that the American people are basically greedy because they want the goodies, but they don't want to pay the taxes to pay for them. So we just keep borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. And you know what else it tells me? As much as we love our children, we really don't care what happens to them in the future. Because sooner or later, one of two things is going to happen. Our children and our grandchildren are going to have to pay tremendous amount of taxes to pay off their debt. Or they're going to have to suffer the consequences of the economic collapse that comes from such debt. I mean, the, the United States is de facto bankrupt. Right? We're not legally bankrupt, but effectively we are. I think the was the GDP is what, $24, $25 trillion? Do you realize that if we took every nickel in this in, in our economy for an entire year, we could not pay off the federal debt? But yet, do you see that debt getting lower? No, it only gets higher. We had a whole uh, push about uh, um, getting control of the debt. You know, well, oh, we we can't spend more money, and then as soon as the the uh, government starts saying, well, we're going to have to shut down because, you know, we can't agree on how much money we're going to spend. Open the taps. Borrow money like crazy. 
They actually got rid of the debt limit for temp temporarily. This is a reflection of the American people. We are greedy. We are narcissistic. We are fiscally insane. And we really don't care much about our children's future as we think we do. Now, if that's a bitter pill to swallow, I'm sorry, but sometimes the medicine is bitter. And I'm not saying each and every individual has all these characteristics, but as a whole, as a community, as a society, the American people are greedy, narcissistic, and really don't care that much about their children. Now, for me, what have I done? Well, guess what? I, <laughs> I did something few, if any, of my uh, compatriots. I mean, I've worked with a lot of people over the years. I'm the only one I know that actually has zero mortgage on my house. And I haven't had a mortgage on my house for years. Because when I moved from New York to Tennessee, I bought a larger house and I took out a mortgage. But that's, I, I did that because I had paid off my, my home in New York. I spent I haven't I haven't had a car loan in what two decades? So I try to be fiscally sound. Well, why do I do that? So I can put money away so I can make sure I have a nice place that one day my daughter will inherit and she'll inherit it without a mortgage to pay for to pay for. See, on a private level, I am not leaving debt for my daughter. In fact, I'm planning on leaving her a nice nest egg, something that she can use as she's starting her own family to make sure that she doesn't end up in debt. I've worked hard to do this. I, I've, I've worked, I, you know, I, I've worked for over 60 years, 60 years, over, over 40 years. I, I turned 60 this year. I, I've worked for over 40 years on this path of paying off bills and not being in debt and and saving money and it's allowed me to do some wonderful things here i never i didn't have the the new and flashy car or or the 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 vacation home but you know what i have now i have the ability to come here and speak to you every day because i'm not tied to a job because i need to pay all the bills because i i'm i'm in debt i've been you know was it the 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 borrower is enslaved to the lender. I'm not enslaved to any lender. And it's given me a lot of freedom. And it allows me to do something for my children. But that came from personal sacrifice. But as a society, we refuse to do that. We refuse to sacrifice. We refuse to do something simply for the benefit of our children on a large scale. Again, as a society, individually, I'm sure we do, and we do it all the time. But as I look at society as a whole, what I see is borrowing like crazy, spending like crazy, and spending in, frequently on ourselves. You, you know, if you got rid of Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare, all of which, by the way, are unconstitutional, the the our debt problem would slowly go away because the deficit would go away because as much as the politician talks about cutting the budget and and balancing the budget there's no physical way to do that because the quote-unquote mandatory spending 
which, by the way, there is no such thing as mandatory spending. That's something that Congress made up. It's simply a rule that Congress has applied to themselves. This mandatory spending is what's eating up all of our cash. It's eating up all of our taxes. And let's face it, if we really wanted Social Security and uh, uh, Medicaid and Medicare and all the other benefits, we would be like some of the, the, um, the, the European countries, the ones with generous welfare states, where you paid 50 and 60% of your, of your income in taxes. But we don't want that. We want someone else to pay for it. That's why I call us greedy. Another trait common to, to American society is we're irresponsible. We want someone else to take care of us. We're more than happy to turn over. What did Franklin say? He who will give up essential liberty for the promise of temporary safety deserves neither liberty nor safety. We as a people are more than happy to turn over our liberty, our rights, for the promise of someone taking care of us. For example, the, the Biden administration came up with this illegal unconstitutional. They pulled it out of their backsides. That said, in starting in twenty, I think twenty twenty six, they want every manufacturer to put what they're calling a kill switch in your car, meaning the government would have the authority, the ability to turn off your car when they wanted to. Again, no law, no regulation. This is just this is just Biden administration pulling it out of their backside. And you would think the American people say, what do you mean you're going to take over our cars? It's bad enough you tell us what we have, you know, what kind of cars we can drive, that you're, you're, you illegally are, are making things more dangerous. You're, you're pushing us away. We want all of it unconstitutional, all of it illegal. And we put up with it. And we do it year after year after year. And here we have the Biden said, we're just going to be able to turn off your car. We don't like how much you drive? Turn off your car. Oh, by the way, you happen to be one of those pro-life activists, um, you know, that we'll, we'll just turn off your car as well. Just like we did the FBI raiding your house. Why won't we just turn off your car? Oh, you're one of those people with disinformation. Remember up in Canada when they, they shut down the bank accounts? They froze the bank accounts of the truckers that were protesting? Imagine if the government could look at the January 6th crowd and say, hey, you were in the Capitol on January 6th. We're turning off your car. You would think the American people would be up in arms, but they're not. Now, what's interesting is a bill went through the Senate that would have um, basically said, no, you can't do that. They would have said, no, you, you, you can't have that requirement in, the, uh, in, in these vehicles. You cannot force people to do that. And it passed the Senate. <laughs> it passed the Democrat controlled Senate by a vote of 50 to 48. So it went to the House of Representatives. And you know what? In the House of Representatives, it failed. 229 of our employees voted against this bill to get rid of this kill switch. 200, only 201 actually voted for it. I want you to think about that for, for just a second. You have the, um, the representatives of the people, voted in by the people, elected by the people. And more than half of them said, no, 
we should let the government tell people when they can turn their cars on and off. Now, what's interesting is a couple of interesting points. Um, we talk about, you know, Republicans versus, you know, elephants and donkeys and whatnot. Uh, yeah, 19 Republicans joined almost all the Democrats in shooting this down. And there were two Democrats who actually voted for the amendment. One of them, by the way, was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, which surprised me. But these represent people. These are representatives. What does it say about the American people that this is what you show the country? This is what you show the world. This is how your representatives that you hired are exercising their, their representation of you. Better question. What are you going to do about it? Now, listen, I've taken a break before I go, though. I want to remind you to check out AmericaOutloud.news each and every day. It's a great place to get news and information. But I want you to do more. See, this news is great. All the different points of view. I go there every day to get content for this radio program, for my website, or just information for myself. But I want you to do what I do. A lot of that information I share. I post it on social media. As I said, I bring it to you here on the radio or on my podcast or other, other platforms. You don't have to do that much, but I do ask that you share this information. See, it's by exposing people to ideas that they hadn't thought of yet, by taking those articles, the podcasts, the videos, the stories, and sharing them with people who may not have heard this, ladies and gentlemen, that is how we secure the blessings of liberty. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body, and now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Hey everyone, Nurse Kimberly Overton here from Nurses Out Loud. Over time, our cell signaling molecules diminished, leaving us vulnerable to the wear and tear of life. With the Sea of Redox, you can restore and revitalize your body at the cellular level. This is an incredible product that I personally use and can attest to seeing fantastic results, including better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. ASEA supports your immune system, enhancing your body's natural ability to repair itself. It promotes overall well-being so that you can experience a new level of vitality and resilience. It's time to take control of your health and experience the power of ASEA. Visit our online store today at americaoutloud.shop and use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15%. Be sure to tune in to Nurses Out Loud Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern.
Welcome back, everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study. Today, we're looking at government as a reflection of the electorate. Because that's really what it is. You know, again, we like to point fingers at government, but everybody there either was elected to office, appointed by someone elected to office, or got a job from somebody who was appointed or elected to office. So there are employees, and we really seem to have lost that concept. And as we look at the at at what's going on in, in government and in the nation's whole, it really is a reflection, I believe, of the American electorate. Not just the American people, but those people who bother to vote, who who bother to get involved in any way, shape, or form. In the first segment we talked a lot about the debt and the fact that the American people are basically greedy and narcissistic. We want our stuff, but we don't want to pay for it. We want someone else to pay for it. We believe that someone else will pay for it. Not really, not really realizing that the only people who could possibly pay for it are our own children. We also looked at the, the idea of control. We had uh, kill switches in, in cars. We had the Biden administration simply making up rules, laws, unconstitutional, no authority to do so, but they do it. And the American people sit back and wait, and they wait for their elected representatives to vote. And then more than half of them say, no, 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 we're not going to, uh, we're not going to uh, stop the Biden administration. We're going to let them simply take control of our cars and our lives and, and everything else. Now, there's another decision made, again, simply pulled out of thin air by the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, or ATF as it's commonly known. See, they simply rewrote the law. See, according to the National Firearms Act, um, the, if you take a, um, a, a handgun and you put a brace on it, that does not make it a rifle. Right, but that's they, they simply made this up. They came up with well, we're going to we're going to come up with a new rule. Do you remember this little document called the Declaration of Independence? We talked about taxation without representation. Well, here we have taxation. We have regulation without representation. We're just going to make up the rules as we go along. Now there is a temporary um, uh, injunction on this. A, a district judge, um, I believe, out of Texas. Uh, issued this this injunction saying that the Biden administration could not put this law into effect until the case has been heard. The, the, the Biden administration has already been sued. Uh, and, you know, the ATF has been sued. And they're um, they, yeah, just give temporary relief. Again, we're the American people. We're the American people saying the Biden administration, and again, it's not just the Biden administration. This is multiple administrations that are simply making up stuff out of their, pulling it out of their backsides and claiming it's law. Look at the Supremacy Clause, Article 6, Clause 2. The Constitution, laws the United States made pursuant thereof, and treaties made which shall be made under the authority of the United States are the supreme law of the land. Nothing about a regulation or a rule coming out of some bureaucrat, some federal agency. That's not the supreme law of the land. The American people have been lulled into this, uh, or indoctrinated this idea that government can do whatever it wants. They completely pretend like the 10th Amendment doesn't exist. Now, sometimes they do it because 
it's an agenda, right? I don't like guns. I don't like, therefore, I don't like pistol braces. So anything that restricts gun owners, they're okay with. We don't care about the law. We don't care about other people's rights. I don't like them, so they should go away. There are some people that are actually like that. There are others that say, well, you know, I think it's wrong, but what am I going to do? It's just little old me. They're not willing to stand up. They're not willing to stand with others. They're not willing to stand up to protect the the rights of others. I don't have a pistol brace, so why should I care? That's selfish. It's, it's narcissistic. It doesn't hurt me, so I don't care. Kind of reminds me of the uh, Martin Niemöller poem. You know the one. First they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Was well, that any really any different from, from today? First they came for the, the, the car owners, and I didn't say anything because I didn't think it'd be a problem. Then they came for the pistol braces, and I didn't say anything because I didn't own a pistol brace. Then they came for the the uh, COVID vaccination. I didn't say anything because I was okay with the COVID vaccination. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to protect me, to speak for me, to stand with me, because we refused to stand with others. By the way, I brought that COVID vaccine for a reason, because um, do you remember when the CDC claimed that people with a natural immunity should receive the COVID-19 vaccines? They, they claim that, oh, yeah, you know, you, you get better prevention if you already get the vaccine. Well, apparently they never actually looked at the data. They had no problem, though, saying that, uh, was it all eligible persons should be vaccinated against COVID-19 as soon as possible, including unvaccinated persons previously infected with SARS-CoV-2. Well, apparently this paper that promoted this, um, they, again, they never looked at the data because... It wasn't their data. See, according to information from a FOIA request of the CDC, the, the, the office said uh, that uh, the raw data for the study is owned by external partner organizations and maintained by a contractor. CDC subject matter experts did not receive copies of the raw data prior to the contract termination. Meaning, they made all those claims, they never actually looked at the data. To me, that's the definition of not getting your information from the horse's mouth, but from the other end. But how many people dutifully went out like sheep, like lemmings, or rolled up their sleeves, got the shot in the arm, not realizing that the, the, the vaunted CDC that's supposed to be watching out for you, keeping you safe, never bothered to check the data before promoting it. One of the core foundations, the, the fundamental study principles here at the Constitution study, there are four of them. It's only an opinion until they're proof. An expert opinion is only an opinion until there's proof. Um, the you know, original sources or bust. You always want the original sources. And number four, most important, always check your sources. Just because someone said something doesn't mean just because someone said something doesn't mean it's true, and just because someone said someone else said something doesn't mean they actually got it right. So here you have the CDC promoting vaccines, um, and claiming that oh yeah, if you've already been if you already have natural immunity, it's good for you. But 
come to find out they never checked the data and there are plenty of other papers papers several of them from the cdc themselves that found that people with a natural immunity are better off or at least as protected than those that are vaccinated uh, according to dr marty marty Macari, uh, he's a professor at johns hopkins school of medicine he said the cdc repeatedly downplayed the role of natural immunity and used this salami slice of data to suggest that vaccinated immunity was more durable than natural immunity subsequent studies revealed that they got it backwards public health officials grabbed any study conclusions that fit their narrative regardless of the quality of the data source now again what does it say about the american people what does it say about our electorate well first of all the very idea that we have a cdc means the american people have no idea what the constitution actually says because the CDC is unconstitutional, and I've proved it time and time again. Regulating health, overseeing health, is not a power delegated to the United States. So according to the 10th Amendment, they don't have that power. But they've proven to be an untrustworthy. They actually are bad faith actors. It's not simply that they, uh, that they uh, made a mistake. They went out of their way to promote an agenda. They acted in bad faith. And something like 200, 250 million Americans rolled up their sleeves, listened to the CDC, the FDA, the Biden, ignored the Constitution, ignored their rights, believed it when they were told there were mandates to get shots. Corporations imposed this on their, on their employees, and the employees said, I will take the jab rather than the shot rather than walking away from my job. They placed comfort, ease, the promise of temporary safety over their rights. Many of them have paid a fairly substantial price. Others may still be paying it. Uh, I, we, we, have, we have friends that were coerced by their doctor into getting the jab merely because while they were pregnant the concern was if there's a problem in the pregnancy it might delay their entrance into the hospital if they weren't uh, um, if they weren't jabbed it's not a vaccine so we can't call them vaccinated if they weren't jabbed so they did it and of course so far the, the parents seem to be fine but we're still waiting to see about the child. See, the American people are lemmings. We tend to follow whatever our government actors tell us. The CDC tells us that um, this stuff is safe. Go ahead. They've got any evidence to prove it? We don't ask. We just, just do what you're told. Because that's the way we've been taught since grade school. Do what you're told. Sit down. Don't be contrary. And we saw death rates skyrocket. Not just those that, that you know, like, uh, was it VARS, VARS attributed to or correlated with a vaccination, but all-cause mortality has been going up since we started stuffing this crap in people's arms. Now, you would think the American people would have learned. You don't simply go putting untested stuff in your arm. You would think so. 
But again, the American people are sheep as a whole. How do I, I heard one person uh, describe it. says, an individual is smart. Groups are stupid. See, now the, the Gates Foundation is now, they've, they've had their fun with COVID. Now they're promoting the HPV vaccine, quote-unquote, vaccine. Which is really interesting because uh, in 2009, the reported severe adverse events related to the HPV vaccine was 6.5%. But a recent study published by Science Public Health Policy and the Law showed that adverse effects were much higher, much higher than those reported. So if you start actually looking at the numbers, the, um, the Gates Foundation, which I guess they're planning on spending something like $600 million, believe that, they, that by getting 80 million young girls sh- shot with this vaccine, the quote-unquote vaccine, they expect to, re- they expect to, say, to have um, uh, avert 1.4 million future deaths. Right. To me, those numbers are a little iffy, but let's take them at their word. Okay, they think they're going to get 1.4 million deaths, but at a rate, of, even at the published rate of 6.5% severe severe adverse events, that is 5.2 million young ladies that we should expect to have severe adverse effects from these shots. Now, my question is, and again, Gates is, is oh well, well we'll go after the low and middle income we'll go after the people that that um, don't have much. Now listen, if this is how Mr. Gates wants to spend his money, fine, it's his money. But I have to ask, how many of the American people will line up to get a jab in the arm and never bother to find out? Hey. Is it safe? Well, so-and-so said it was safe. Oh, then I will, I'll just go along like a good little sheep, like a good little little lemming, and, and, and I'll do whatever I'm told, and then, um, then wonder why we see such increases in, in not just disease, diseases, autoimmune diseases, um, excess deaths. You'd think we'd have learned from COVID you don't go around shoving stuff in your arm. Well, he's paying for it. Is it worth it? Sure, the the you may not pay a financial cost up front, but what will be the long-term cost of the potential adverse effects? And not just to you individually. What is it what about as a society? I mean, sure, I know there are people that think of, of Bill Gates as the devil himself, but I'm not doing that. I'm not looking at the person who wants to pay for all this. I'm looking at the sheeple that will follow along simply because someone said so. See, think about the, the Declaration of Independence, where the states wanted to be independent from a, 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 a central government. But yet the American people seem more interested in being ruled by a central government than actually living free. We don't want to be independent. As a society, we want to be dependent on government. We want government to tell us what we should eat, what drugs we should stuff in our arm, um, you know, what cars we should drive, what appliances we should use, what, how, what health care we should have and how we should pay for it, who should be in what bathrooms, who should be playing on what sports. Think of how much of your life is being regulated by government. 
And then ask yourself, the people that you and your neighbors voted for, even if you didn't vote for that person, as a community, your neighbors chose a representative, and how are they doing? Are they representing the people? And if not, why do you keep them there? Now, I have another break to take. Before I go, though, you know, we were talking about COVID, and uh, the, the wellness company has a product called Spike Support. See, shedding is real. People do have long COVID. And whether you're vaccinated or not, the, you're being exposed to these spike proteins. They're toxic. They're inflammatory. They damage your body. Well, the spike support has been designed to help dissolve and protect you against the spike protein. It's gluten-free. It's manufactured in the U.S. It's backed by documented research and vetted by the chief medical board of the wellness company. Now, as an America Out Loud listener, you can get discounts at the wellness company. You can find all out about it at americaoutloud.shop. Basically, if you go to the wellness company website, the twc.health, if you use the code OUTLOUD at checkout, you'll get 25% off products and 25% off your first month of membership. So please go there, check it out, check out their products, put your card together, consider joining as a member, be sure to use the code OUTLOUD. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud, and as a thank you, you can get 25% off products and 25% off your first month of membership. With the rise of independent media, we are now AmericaOutloud.news. For the genius of the United States is not found in its executives or legislatures, nor its ambassadors, authors, colleges, or churches, nor even in its newspapers or inventors. The genius of the United States is we the people. AmericaOutloud.news, liberty and justice for all. In 2008, people could spend an average of 12 seconds on a task without becoming distracted. Five years later, it was only eight seconds. The digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down. Thousands of five-star reviews proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. 
with known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Copix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. Today, we're looking at the fact that government is a reflection of the electorate. Now, I've been a little bit loose in, in talking about the electorate versus the um, the people as a whole, right? Because you have to understand the electorate is generally somewhere between a third and 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 two fifths of the actual population. Because um, generally, about thirty, even in major elections, presidential elections, about thirty to forty percent of the people eligible to vote actually vote. So I, I, I apologize for that. I want to be a little more tighter about that. But we've been looking at things like the budget. And and regulations and the fact that we just go along as if you know, as if these these people are rulers. But the other thing we need to notice is is I've seen it that my entire lifetime there has been antagonism between the two major political parties, right? The the Democrats and the Republicans. Um, you know, Washington said at his farewell address. The alternate dominion of one faction over another, sharpened by the spirit of revenge, natural to party dissension, which is in itself in different ages and countries has perpetuated the most hard enormities, is itself a frightful despotism. And and that's kind of um that's what we're seeing. See, again, there's always been antagonism. I, I've always known people that uh, you know, they <laughs> they would do anything. They throw their grandmother off a cliff if, if, rather than vote for the other side. But it's gotten to the point of such derangement. You know, I remember my the first presidential election I was ever part of was Ronald Reagan, and um, I remember the the things that were said about uh, Ronald Reagan and 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 stuff like that. Reagan had this wonderful ability to uh, deflect a lot of that through his humor. But I've heard people say all sorts of things that is just anything but this party or anything but that party. I mean, the, this, the people who, you know, we had people going after Reagan. Then, of course, we had people going after, uh, you know, actually you had Reagan and Bush. And then, of course, you had Clinton. And, you know, we, we've seen this. And this, this dissension has gotten so crazy that now we have people who I believe honestly in their heart of hearts believe that um, Trump would be the, the end of the nation. I was watching a, a, a clip and it was funny. It was, I still believe it was Hillary Clinton and what she described as this is what Trump is going to do has been exactly what the Democratic Party has been doing for at least the last six years. But it's gone so far as to say we have to disqualify Trump from being president. And they made up this nonsense about um, an insurrection. Why? And I said right from the beginning, right after January 6th, I said, you watch it. They're going to call this an insurrection. And I was right. It was very simple. Because of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment says a, a, a person is disqualified from holding office if, after having taken an oath to the Constitution, they engage in an insurrection. 
Well, apparently, to the rabid, diehard anti-Trumpers, an insurrection is uh, questioning an election. An insurrection is telling people to, to peacefully and patriotically demonstrate. Now, there are several uh, attempts to get Trump banned from the ballot in several of the states. Now, interesting, the one, the one in Minnesota apparently is dead. The, the Minnesota Supreme Court has dismissed the lawsuit uh, to keep uh, Trump off the 2024 primary ballot in the state. We'll see if it comes back again with the general election. Um, I find this interesting because, again, the primary is not a government election. It's a private election. The primary is the political party trying to choose their champion. But, you know, what are you, it, the idea is if you can disqualify him from office, I guess there's no sense in him running in the, in the primary. But think about it. The hatred of the other side. And again, there are people along the same line. There are people, I think they would crawl through broken glass to vote for anybody but Biden. It, 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 it shows itself. on But we're so focused on the donkeys and the elephants. You know what people aren't talking about? They aren't talking about the policy. Now, listen, you want to have a group that gets together and, and, and you know, can't, uh, advocates for one candidate or another. But if you're voting based on donkeys versus elephants, think about what that says about you as a voter. If you're not interested in the policy of the individual, if you're not, if you're not interested in the, the uh, history of the individual, you know, people keep talking about rhinos. There is no such thing as a rhino. A rhino is a myth. It's a made-up thing. It's a way for people to blame the other side because they don't match with their view of what a Republican should be. See, if you're a Republican, you have a view, this is what a Republican should be. And if you don't match that, well, we just call you a, a rhino. But the problem is we are 50 states. And each of those 50 states has a different agenda and they have a different understanding of what a Republican is. And we don't even think about that. But we are so enslaved to our political parties as a whole that, you know, we, we, we even talk about uh, uh, judge, judges based on the party of the president that nominated them at the federal level. And um, I don't know. I think it says it says a lot about us. It also says a lot about us what we've been seeing lately, revolving around the Hamas attacks on on Israel back on October seventh. Now, as I've said multiple times, I'm not saying Israel is pure as the wind-driven snow. But if you're showing support for people whose whose solution to this problem is to murder babies to rape women in the street, to take innocent hostages, to put weapons of war, to put your military installations among the civilian population, to use them as a human shield, that says a lot about who you are, about what you prioritize. Now, Rashida Tlaib has been one of the people really out front in, their, in her support of, um, in support of, the well, she says the Palestinians, but also in support of Hamas, what they've been doing. Of course, Tlaib, Ilan Omar, well, 
at first, you know, there was a censure call against Rashida Tlaib for anti-Semitic statements. Um, and understand, you know, the the House has the right to discipline their own. It's in the Constitution, Article 1, Section... I don't remember which section off the top of my head. But each House can discipline their own members, including expel them under certain conditions. Um, the first time it did, the, the, they tried to censure Ms. Tlaib, didn't go, didn't was didn't pass the second time it did but what's interesting to me is well the reaction to that for example cory bush another member of the so-called squad said the rashida Tlaib stands for all humanity well that's blatantly false because the uh, one humanity she has not stood for through this entire thing is israel is jews israelis Ms. Bush goes, she isn't a danger to anyone, but yesterday you further endangered her and attempted to silence her, all because she dares to speak up for the humanity of the Palestinians, for children, for her family. It's shameful. Um, did you forget that it was the, the Palestinians through Hamas that attacked women and children and destroyed families in Israel? Now, again, if you think Israel's a good guy and Palestine's a bad guy, or either way, that's fine. And I have no problem with Cory Bush saying this. This tells me a lot about Cory Bush. But um, then she went on to say, do you believe she would wish violence on any person or group? Yesterday's censure of free speech sent a message that grieving and fighting for your people is only valued if the people you're grieving and fighting for are themselves deemed valuable completely ignoring the reason why she was censured. See, she wasn't censured for grieving and fighting for people that she valued. She was censured for, how do I put this, denigrating an entire people group. So when you talk about from the river to the sea, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, if Palestinians are going to take over that land, they're pushing Israel out. Now listen, you can think that the Palestinians should have that land. You, give me your arguments. I think they're wrong. I question some of that land because I remember that, that uh, even before Israel was a country, many Jews bought land in Palestine. But the, the whole idea, this, this whole scenario of are your representatives representing you when they are supporting um, Hamas, and if the House, of, if the majority of the House of Representatives wants to censure some censure somebody for making anti-Semitic statements, that isn't violence. That isn't wishing violence. And based on recent news and recent events, it actually is the opposite of wishing violence because it was the anti-Semites, the anti-Semitic group Hamas, that, com that initiated violence against Jewish families, against young people at a, at a music concert that have videoed, videoed themselves, live-streamed themselves committing murder and other atrocities. So you have to ask yourself, if you're representative by Ms. Tlaib or Ms. Bush or, or Ms. Omar? Is that really how you think? Is that really who you are? 
Let me put it another way. Ms. Tlaib is now sending out um, letters and, and other things trying to raise money on the fact that she was censured for making anti-Semitic statements. Because again, from the river, I mean, her own words, she, she was saying, from the river to the sea, that is a call for the destruction of Israel. It is a rallying cry, not only for the destruction of Israel, but in many cases for the, the genocide of the American, of the Jewish people. And now she's raising money off of it. So I have to ask, if you're donating money to Ms. Tlaib, does that mean you're okay with this? It's funny, a couple of weeks ago, uh, two, maybe three weeks ago, somebody commented on one of my videos. And the comment could be interpreted as as anti-Semitic. I didn't, you know, could be. So I asked the person, I said, was it your intention to sound racist? And the funny thing was, this person just exploded all sorts of things. Wait a second. You made a statement that could be interpreted as racist. I merely asked if that was your intent or not. And what's interesting is when asked her intent of saying from the river to the sea, does that mean you're okay with beheadings, including children, infants, of, of kidnapping, of raping women in the street? Are you okay with that? When you call further river to see are you okay with what is done in pursuit of that agenda and she wants to raise money on it fine but i ask yourself if you're in miss leaves district does that represent you and i found it interesting that through the the decades of uh people supporting these uni supporting universities it took anti-semitic demonstrations at the universities to get people to stop some people to stop donating money will it happen for miss Tlaib or not but i want to go back is your representative representing you what is important to you and really are they is what they're representing even constitutional so i don't i don't endorse candidates um but whenever somebody comes to be looking for a vote the first question I ask them is, show me when you did something to fulfill your oath to support the Constitution, when it cost you something. Not some party plank or, you know, not some, some saying, when did you do something that cost you something? If you can't tell me that, I have to ask, are you qualified to represent me? Because it's not simply representing what we want we think of them as representing what we want but there's they have they have a rule book they have an employee handbook and that it's called the constitution at the federal level it's called the constitution of the united states at the state level it's the constitution of the united states plus the constitution of your state and at the city county level it's the constitution of the united states constitution of your state and your your city or county charter and i have to ask you are they following the rules that we have put in place through those documents? And if not, why do we keep voting for them? Could it be that the American people are more interested in donkeys versus elephants than they are in actual policy? Could it be that we simply decide we're not going to take the time to actually um, find out for ourselves? We'll just listen to what, what other people are telling us. 
Will it be a uh, some combination of those, or is there more? See, if you're grousing and griping about the government, remember, either you or your neighbors helped put them there, or you and your neighbors couldn't be bothered to decide for yourselves who would be there. And if you say, well, I didn't vote for them, it's not my fault. What did you do to educate your neighbors? If that person was unqualified, what did you do to let other people know? Let's stop blaming other people for what we are partially responsible for. If we want to get out of this this political party uh, morass, this finger-pointing, name-calling, mud-wrestling match, we need to start by not just voting, but how we decide who to vote for. At least that's my opinion. And I hope it's worth coming back to join us here for the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. All the episodes go to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on the radio, so you can listen to them in your favorite podcast app. But do me a favor, subscribe to the show, leave the episode's ratings and reviews. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. Find all the links at the homepage at AmericaOutloud.news, but please share them. It's by sharing this information that we also share the blessings of liberty.